In that, in that clip from last week's sermon, Terry closed by talking about people who are claiming to be in Christ and claim Him as their Savior, but are still living in control of their lives. Today, we're going to stick in that same kind of theme, that idea of that kind of hypocrisy, and we're going to look today at what Jesus has to say about those who live outwardly one way and inwardly are living another. This week, I heard a story about a man who was uh, driving home from work when he realized he's being tailgated by the woman behind him, and she is in a major hurry. Uh, the light turns yellow in front of him, and he slows down and hits the brakes so that he can stop at the light, and that's when this woman loses it. She just goes ballistic. She starts honking on the horn. She's laying on the horn. She's leaning out the window. She's yelling things that really shouldn't be yelled out in public. She's making gestures at this man just when she notices a tap on the window. She looks up and sees a policeman. He invites her out of the car and takes her into the station where she is searched and fingerprinted and put in a cell. After a couple of hours, she's confused and finally she's released and this officer is giving her back these personal effects and he says, ma'am, I have to apologize for this mix-up. You see, I, I pulled over your car while you're blowing on the horn and you're using the, those bad gestures and that terrible language. And I, I noticed, I noticed the what would Jesus do bumper sticker and the choose life license plate holder and the follow me to Sunday school window sign and the fish emblem on your trunk. And I just assumed you had stolen this car. <laughs> You see, if we think about that, maybe that hits a little close to home today. The truth is that for those who claim to be Christians, and especially for those who do all that they can to plaster their cars and their t-shirts and their Facebook pages with messages showing that we believe in Christ and we know Christ and we follow Christ, church, we must be sure that our life and actions match that message. It does a lot of damage to the church when it doesn't. You see, it's very easy to fall into the trap of religion and craft this religious outward appearance of ourselves that maybe doesn't match the truth of our hearts. And in fact, when we get to our story today, when we get to the parable that Jesus is telling that we're going to read from Luke chapter 18, it's exactly those kinds of people that Jesus is speaking to. So today we're going to take a look in our Bibles at Luke chapter 18. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there today. And we're going to look at a story as we do. It is a story. It's a parable that Jesus is telling uh, about Pharisees and tax collectors. So let's read it from Luke chapter 18. It'll be here on the screen for you to follow along with as well. We're going to read verses 9, uh, verses nine through 14. <clears throat> to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 
the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. May God bless the reading of his word today. In Jesus', uh, in Jesus ministry, he told a lot of parables. In this particular parable, Jesus, it's a simple parable. It's just a few verses, a story that that hits the mark on what Jesus is trying to do. And in this parable, he purposefully chooses the people that he's talking about. He, He is on purpose choosing two particular characters, and he's using the example of two groups of people. This is no accident that this is who's mentioned in this parable. It's uh, the first line, if you're following along and you're filling the blank notes. It says, Jesus purposefully uses the example of two groups of people. If you're paying attention, you can probably already fill in those blanks. The first is the Pharisees, and the second is whom? The tax collectors. Look at it in verse Uh, Chapter 18, verse 10, again, this is how he sets the stage for the parable. He says, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a tax collector. In Jesus' day, Pharisees and tax collectors were about as diametrically opposed as two groups could have been. One was committed to upholding the Jewish law, and the other, in their eyes, had basically forsaken the Jewish law so that they could make money from the Roman government. He is using these two characters, these two men from these two groups on purpose. He's making a point to his audience. This week we're going to take, this week and next week, we're going to take a deeper look at this short parable of Jesus. And each week, today we're going to focus on one side of that story and next week the other. We're going to look at the side of each of these men who is involved in Jesus' parable. And so today, the next line in your notes, today we focus on the self-righteousness of the Pharisees. Today, that's what we're looking at. We are looking at the side of self-righteousness from the person of the Pharisee. Look at Luke 18, verse 9. Jesus says why, uh, Luke tells us why Jesus tells this story. He says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. The New American Standard version of the same verse puts it this way. Now, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Jesus is telling this story here to confront the self-righteous, those who trust in their own righteousness. And I think it's really interesting that in doing so, in calling out this hypocrisy and this self-righteousness, he does so by using the example of a Pharisee. 
The Pharisees were a religious and political group in Palestine during New Testament times. Pharisees were part of the Sanhedrin, which was basically uh, the supreme court of the Jewish people. They were part of the legislative body of the Jewish people. They were political and religious conservatives of the day. And they were known for insisting that Old Testament law of God be be followed and kept as interpreted by the scribes and for their special commitment to keeping all the Old Testament laws, especially laws like tithing and purity. In fact, there were about 613 laws that these scribes had set up that were uh, the standard for Pharisees to live by. And, and on the surface, all of their life was spent trying to uphold the law. And so none of that really seems all that bad. Some of that seems kind of, you know, praiseworthy. And yet, if you look at the Gospels, you're going to notice that the Pharisees seem to be at odds with Jesus all throughout his ministry. These religious leaders, these religious elite among the Jewish people, these guys that should have been, you know, the ones that, that everybody is, is, is doing good with, nobody should be. Well, Jesus is at odds with them throughout his ministry. Jesus is very often calling out against the Pharisees. And so before we look and take a closer look at the parable in Luke 18, I want us to look for a moment at what this dynamic was between Jesus and the Pharisees during his ministry. So let's start with the side of Jesus. It's in your notes. How did Jesus treat the Pharisees during his ministry? If you want to answer that question, we're going to look at parts of this chapter, but the one that I would say read this week is Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23 is basically all about Jesus dealing with the example of the Pharisees and how he speaks about the Pharisees. Let's look just at the first three verses of Matthew chapter 23 as we get going this morning. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. I think that's very interesting. These are the guys that on the surface, if anybody knew the Old Testament law, if anybody knew the word of God, it was the Pharisees. And yet Jesus stands to a crowd of people and says, do not do what they do because these guys do not practice what they preach. And so let me ask you a question that's going to step on uh, some toes today, including mine. Do you think that this is still a problem within the church today? Do you think the idea that we hold to the Word of God and, and we, we claim to follow Jesus and we claim to hold the Bible up as truth and yet we don't always practice what we preach, is that found in the church today? Because if not, this is one of those things that, well, it doesn't really apply to us. But if this is still a modern-day problem in the church of Jesus Christ, then we have to pay special attention today to what Jesus says about the Pharisees 
in this parable because it's the Pharisee, Jesus says, that is going to walk away from this scene at the temple not justified in God's eyes. And these were the guys that on the surface were following God. And so here's the answer to the question in your notes. How did, what was the dynamic between Jesus and the Pharisees? How did Jesus treat the Pharisees? Here's the answer in your notes. He rebuked them as blind guides and hypocrites. Again, we're not going to get into all of Matthew 23, but read it for yourself this week. That's common words that Jesus uses throughout that passage, throughout that chapter. These guys that are supposed to be following the law, these guys that are supposed to be closest to God, these are religious leaders, and Jesus rebukes them throughout his ministry as blind gods and hypocrites. Look at Matthew 23 again, this time verses 13 and 15. And look at two of the specific things he calls them out on. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Look at verse 15. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. These are the religious leaders. These are the elite of the religious society of the Jewish people. And this is the language that Jesus has for them? You see, throughout Jesus' ministry, Jesus did not have good, constructive things to say about the Pharisees. And I think it's very interesting for us today to remember that the people in his ministry that Jesus had the harshest words for were the religious leaders of the day. So that we've seen what, how Jesus views the Pharisees. Let's turn it on its head. How did, the next question is, how did the Pharisees view Jesus? How did the Pharisees treat Jesus during his ministry? The answer is the next line in your notes. They tried to hold Jesus to their own standard. The Pharisees tried to hold Jesus to their own standard. Standard. Let me show you just three examples from short verses from the book of Matthew of where this was the case. Matthew 9, verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Number two, Matthew 12, 2. Also, I think it says Matthew 12, 12 in your notes. So if you're following along, it's actually Matthew 12, 2. That's a typo. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Third one, Matthew 15, verses 1 through 2. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to, Je to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. 
During Jesus' ministry, there are a lot of examples just like these where the Pharisees are trying to come out to Jesus and trying to figure out where Jesus' authority is coming from and where his loyalties lie. They ask him questions about what he believes and about the things that he and his disciples are doing. We're told in some cases that the, the Pharisees are on purpose coming out to test Jesus about what Moses says about divorce, about uh, whether or not Jews should pay the temple tax, about one particular instance where they caught a woman in the act of adultery. What's Jesus going to do in this situation? The truth is that the Pharisees throughout his ministry were trying to make sure that Jesus lined up with what they knew to be right. They weren't interested in learning why Jesus had come or whether or not he was who he claimed to be. They already had their own standard that was all about keeping the law and all about putting up appearances and all about doing the right kinds of things. And Jesus simply did not meet their standard. And so today, if we are claiming to be followers of Christ, we must ask ourselves, are we expecting that Jesus, that God's word lives up to the standards that we have set? Or are we intent to see that our lives follow the standard of Christ? It's a very crucial distinction. The idea that these religious leaders had poured over the texts of the Old Testament law all of their lives, some of these guys. And they came away with a standard that was contrary to the Messiah who came to deliver them. Because they were looking in the wrong things. They were looking at, at adherence to the law. They were looking about how many laws you could keep. And Jesus is coming because none of those people were able to keep the law. And they rejected Jesus because he didn't fit their standards. And so today, church, let me encourage you. When you view this, may we be ever so careful that we are not making this hold to the standard, to some standard that we have set up as what is good and what is right. Church, this, the Word of God, must be the measuring line by which I measure my life. That I am looking at my life and seeing whether or not it lines up against the Word of God. Because you know what? When we have a standard and we set the Word of God against that standard, when we see something that doesn't fit, we say, you know what? Well, we don't really believe that part. We don't know how to practice that part because that doesn't match with this ideology that we have set up. But what if instead we look at the Word of God and say, is my life matching what I read in God's Word? Because the Pharisees had such a standard and they knew the Word, church. And they missed the Messiah. Messiah. 
So here's the question as we focus back into the parable that Jesus tells in Luke 18. Here's the question that I want us to, to focus on today. Why was the prayer of the Pharisee not accepted by God? You got these two men that come into the temple to pray. The Pharisee, the tax collector. And Jesus says, one of these is going away justified by God. And one of these is not justified. Why is it that the Pharisee's prayer is not accepted? Look at Luke 18, 14, as it says. He says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For those, all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Here's your answer in your notes. Why was this prayer not accepted? Because the, the Pharisee prayed to exalt himself. Because he prayed to exalt himself. Look at his prayer in, in Luke 18, 11. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even this tax collector right here. The Pharisee in Jesus' parable is trying to make himself look good. He is praying so that he will be exalted. Jesus speaks against this very thing in the Sermon on the Mount when he tells his followers that the hypocrites, he says, love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. But Jesus says, I tell you, they've already received their reward. Instead, Jesus tells his true followers, go pray in secret. Go pray to the God who hears you, and then they will receive their full reward. Jesus says a similar thing about the motives of the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. This time, look at Matthew 23, verses 5 through 7. What's their motive here? Jesus says, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and be called rabbi. Now, let's stop and say what in the world is a phylactery for a moment. Phylacteries were basically little leather boxes, little leather pouches that Pharisees put Scripture in. And they would hang them on their clothes. And they, the idea was that by getting the Scriptures out of the box, and it's a constant reminder that you're supposed to be basing your life on the Word of God. It, it's the way of, of uh, the Old Testament says, keep these words on your uh, door frames and on your foreheads. And this was their way of adhering to the law that said they were to keep the words of God with them. And yet Jesus says, you're missing the point. Jesus says it's all about who's got the biggest phylacteries and who's, whose leather pouches are the biggest that people can see them and, and, and who's got the longest tassels on their robes. And all of a sudden, all these outward things became the goals of the Pharisees. They made sure they wore 
them prominently on their outfits. They made sure that they took important seats and places of honor. Their goal was to be seen by the eyes of men. They had exalted themselves to the place, to the point that they didn't have room for Jesus when he came. Don't miss it. These religious leaders had so exalted themselves that they didn't have room to worship Jesus because they were on top. And so if this is the if this is the tendency of these religious elite in Jesus' day, the question is, does that happen in the church? Are there those who claim the name of Christ in order to exalt themselves? Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? In some ways, I think it might be easier to do it today. You know, one of the easiest tools I see of the church exalting self? Social media. Oh, it's really easy. You can type all kinds of stuff. You can just share stuff that somebody else shared. You didn't even have to make it up. You just see something that sounds really good, right? And you just click share on that. And you put all these things under your name and all these things are on your page and all these things are, 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 are things that you are for or you are against. But church, does the message match the heart? Do these things match what's in our hearts, because Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, all that stuff is, is meaningless. It's become exalting of self instead of exalting of God. And so we're going to close today by looking at three traps that we fall into when we do this exalting of self over exalting God. What happens when we exalt ourselves. Your notes say, in doing so, in exalting ourselves, we do these three things. Number one, we focus on the sins of others. Look at Luke 18, 11 again, this time just the part where he prayed. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Is this how you, is this how he starts his prayer? He's in the temple. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not like the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, even this guy over here, even this tax collector. His focus is on the sins of others. This man had learned to exalt himself by comparing himself to the sins of of other people. And let me assure you, church, today, that is an extremely easy thing for Christians to do. And I see it all the time. After all, how bad can my sins look if I go out and set them up against people that are doing a lot worse things? Let me tell you this today, church, and maybe we ought to write this down. As a follower of Jesus Christ, if the sins that you are most concerned with and most upset with are the sins of someone else, your eyes are looking in the wrong direction. If, it's, if, it's, if I'm focused in my faith on the sins of those around me, and, and especially of the sinful world, why would I expect 
sinners to do anything but sin. And yet all of my message and all of my energy is spent on what sinful people are doing? Then I'm looking in the wrong spot. I'm, I'm using the example and the sin of others to lift me up. And eventually I start to look pretty good. And eventually, just like the Pharisees, I'm completely missing the point. Number two, not only does exalting ourselves lead us to focusing on the sins of others, number two, we turn a blind eye to our own sin. This is the issue with looking only at what other people are doing and what their sins are. Look at Matthew 7 verses 1 through 5. Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, Jesus says, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank sticking out of your own eye? Jesus says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know why Jesus tells his followers, do not judge lest you be judged? And, and I find this is a hard verse for some people in the church to understand. You know why Jesus says, don't judge or you will be judged? It's not because other people's sins will not be judged. There is a day coming when all sin will be judged. But Jesus commands us not to, to enter into judgment because judgment of other sins is not something that you or I have any right to do. Because in judging other sins, you know what it's caused us to do? It's caused me to, to turn a blind eye to my own sin. To the fact that there is sin in my life that outside of the grace and mercy of Jesus that separates me from God. But I'm not seeing it if I'm looking to the sins of others so that I can exalt myself. And all of a sudden, here's a preview for next week. Jesus says, those tax collectors and prostitutes, they're entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. Because they're not worried. They see their sin for what it is. They see their sin for the separation that it causes before God. And all you're worried about is keeping somebody sinful enough around you so that you look good. And Jesus says, you're, you're, you're not getting into heaven yourself. And worse, you're keeping other people from it. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, If we claim to be without sin... What do we do? We deceive ourselves, and His truth is not in us. If we exalt ourselves, if we are in this religious practice of exalting self, not only does it cause us to look at the sins of others, not only does it cause us to turn a blind eye to our own sin, but here's number three. If we exalt ourselves, we end up letting our own acts of righteousness eclipse our need 
for a savior. We let our own acts of righteousness eclipse our need for a savior. See, he didn't end there. His only prayer wasn't uh, what, what these other people are and all these bad people that I'm better than. You know, he said one more thing. Let's read it in verse 12 of chapter 18 of Luke. He says, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. When I studied Pharisees this week, I noticed these two things are two of the, the ones that were really high on the priority list of the Pharisees. They, they're tithing, they're giving 10%, and they're fasting. Why? Because these are things that you can do to be righteous that other people can see. Look at what Jesus says, Matthew 23, verses 25 through 28. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean out the inside of the cup and dish, and the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which are beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. And on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. This was the practice of the Pharisees. They were so clean in the outside and so worried about what the appearance was and so worried about what other people thought that they neglected the truth of the heart. And the truth of the heart was they didn't need a Savior. They had already made a Savior. Because see, if I can do enough in the eyes of the law to be good and to be righteous, then what do I need with a Savior? What do I need with the one who came to give his life, his sinless, righteous life for mine? If I have made myself sinless and righteous on my own. There's another place in Matthew 23 where Jesus calls out these acts of righteousness. And this is what they spent their time doing. They would fast and they would pray. He says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, he speaks out against praying in the, on the street corners and about fasting. And, and, and they, were, they were screwing up their faces so that they looked miserable while they were fasting. So people would know that they were fasting. And they were doing all these acts of righteousness for appearances. And Jesus says in Matthew 23, at one point, Jesus says, you're, you're tithing, you're tithing, and that's something you're supposed to do. You're going as far as tithing your spices. You're tithing your mint and your dill and your cumin. And Jesus says, and you're missing the most important matters of the law, righteousness, justice, faithfulness. He says, and, and this was a, a sermon I preached another time. He says, you're swallowing camels to strain out a gnat. You're missing it because you're focused on how much you give. And by the way, did you see the amount on that check when I put it in the plate earlier? Or you're focused on your, your, your fasting and letting people know, well, no, I can't go out to lunch today. Actually, I fast uh, on Monday. Oh, yeah, I do that every, day, every week. That's something that I do. And we're, we get worried about these things we're doing to be righteous. And Jesus says you're... Your hearts are full of dead stuff. 
your, your hearts are full of decay because we're letting these outward acts be what makes us clean. And Jesus says, do it the opposite. Clean the inside, clean the heart, and then the acts will follow. Do you know why? Here's how we'll close today. Do you know why the Pharisees rejected the Messiah? Because it's really, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that these guys who knew the law better than anybody would be the ones that missed Jesus when he came. But do you know why the Pharisees rejected Jesus as Messiah? Because they had so exalted themselves that they really had no need for a Savior. They had so put themselves in the place of high honor, they had made themselves the standard to the point that they didn't really need the Messiah. And they missed him when he was right in front of them. And so today, church, I, I want to close with one last verse. I want to close today with Luke 18, 13. This is the opposite side. This is actually what we're going to look at next week. This is the prayer of the tax collector. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He, he would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. You see, when we have made ourselves the standard, when we have exalted ourselves that, that we're looking at other people's sin, that we're monitoring Facebook and jumping in on a fight when, when we see somebody that's saying the wrong things, and that we're policing all this morality in a way that it's becoming surface morality and not it doesn't affect our hearts. When we have so exalted ourselves that Jesus is not being exalted, you know what we're forgetting? We're forgetting that without Jesus, the only prayer that I'm ever worthy to pray is God have mercy on me, a sinner. Without Jesus, church, I am lost. Without Jesus, I am and always will be nothing. And yet, there's this tendency in me to raise myself above the one who saves me? That in my own righteousness, that I have somehow exalted myself over the one who came to give his sinless life for mine? God have mercy on me, a sinner. And until I understand that without Christ, I am nothing. Until I understand that without Christ, I am lost. And only Christ had the power to save me. And only Christ did it. Only Christ came to earth to give me salvation. Then church, that would change my life. And I pray that we never get to the place where we start to turn back around or, or we're comfortable enough in our faith in Christ, we're comfortable enough in our righteousness that all of a sudden the focus starts to turn inward and the focus becomes me because church, I'm never gonna do enough to earn what was freely given me. 
I'm never on my own gonna be enough to earn what was given to me that I never did deserve. But if I exalt him in my life, then I can be an example of one who was changed. I can be an example of one who's been ransomed from death. And I can go and share that example with the world. But church, the the church of Jesus Christ will never do the work of the kingdom of God if it's exalting itself. And so today, as we have this time of invitation, I'm asking you, Terry's going to come up here if there's a decision that needs to be made. But church, I'm asking you to let, let Jesus into your heart today and ask him to do the evaluating. Ask him to show you where, what's your focus, what are your motives, where are your eyes focused, and, and to show you where you need to adjust your heart, where you need to balance some things out so that we're exalting him in our lives. To be reminded that without Jesus, I'm nothing. So Father, today we ask, we, Father, today I tell you, God, I ask you have mercy on me, God, because I'm a sinner, because I'm nothing. I've, I've done nothing on my own. I will do nothing on my own that could merit my salvation, that could merit my life. And God, you have given me everything. God, help me never to get those backwards. Help me never to trust in what I've done and what I can do because God, without you, I can't do anything. And so God, turn our hearts, enter our hearts today and show us that sin, show us that hypocrisy, clean the inside of the dish so that we then can be used for you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The invitation is open today.